podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Scoutcast. My name is Joe. I almost forgot my name there. My name is Joe. <laughs> <laughs> it's been it's been a tough week, uh, and my name is Seb. Yes, indeed. Welcome back, Seb. Just the two of us today. Um, uh, we're going early. Um, I've got a date with Spider Man in Yeovil later. Um, oh, fancy! And. Uh, um, it's COVID chaos and it's so chaotic. I forgot my name, my beard's fallen off. We don't know what's going on, but we're going to try and make sense of it. Seb, what is coming up on the show? As you said, we will talk about some of the COVID. Obviously, that's a developing situation and we're not here to offer advice outside of FPL, but we'll try and let you know what the latest is there and what we're thinking around that. Basically, as of today, because things are changing as we speak. We will, of course, have a quick recap of the game that's just gone. I think it's been two since we last spoke. Uh, we're going to have a look at Man City, uh, recent performances, their midfield, because even COVID aside, it's interesting to analyse them. And we know their team has a lot of points in it. So it's how can we get some of those points? We will look at the community team latest, Alex's team. Uh, we don't have any differentials, I don't believe, no. this week. So we will just go straight to game week 18 team reveals for you, if game week 18 ever happens. Yes, indeed. So we'll just have a quick, sort of a quick recap of, of what we're doing in game week, what's been going on in game week 17. So there's been postponements. Um, I don't think either of us has managed to get 11 out. We might have done, and but not many people have. Um, the average is about 20-something points so far, and we've got think, one or two I matches to go. I think I've got 11. Not that it matters, because William's got zero. So I've got um, 10. <laughs> I've got no goalkeeper, nice. Nice. and Liveramento um, comes off my bench for zero. But yeah, Seb, so what, what's, what's your score so far, and who have you potentially got to go tonight? Um, so I am currently on... 35 but that's with a minus eight um the minus eight was De Gea to Edison Gundogan to Jota so we're seeing if that comes in and Ronaldo to Watkins so the pretty popular FPL move from from many there uh, and I have Alexander Arnold James Jota as mentioned yeah. to go I believe yeah oh Salah captain obviously yeah everyone has Salah captain yeah I mean my, I'm, I'm doing okay but yeah I've got 26 um minus four um, but I've got a green arrow. Um, I've gone up about 20,000 places, which is good so far. So that will probably go down because I've only got Salah captain, Alexander-Arnold, Jota and James, all very well owned. So if you even if you've got one extra player more, or if you've got some points coming off the bench, that's going to start to overtake people like me. Um, so if I can end with a sort of a grey arrow, small red or a small green arrow, I'll, I'll consider myself I'll have escaped this week. Um, so I took um, Armstrong out for Dennis, who didn't play. But nevertheless, uh, I was fixing a weak link. And Dennis, in theory, if he plays, um, is, a, is a better option. Um, and Ronaldo, I removed for Watkins. That was actually my hit. That was the hit bit. Um, and that was because it was looking... Um, it, yeah, just wasn't going to play. And so um, Watkins was a player in an ideal world. I wouldn't have Antonio. I'd have Watkins and I've had a Bowen ages ago, but that's not an ideal world. And that may be what I look at in the future. Um, so I've got under five million in the bank. Uh, the world's my oyster. And we'll discuss more later what players like me will do with our extra millions we've got in the bank suddenly. Um, so, um, yeah, just before we move on, just want to thank those who have joined us in the live chat. We've got Christian, uh, Matty, Matt, Delia, uh, Pepe, Marilla, Jack, Rommel, Multilevel, um, Christian, Andre and many more. Thanks so much for joining us. Do press that like button. Do subscribe if you're not already there. And thanks for joining us on uh, Tea Time on a Thursday before the final wits of game week 17. Um, so, yeah, COVID chaos. <laughs> in here. I was going to just go through, we don't have a captaincy video, so I was going to go through some stats but um, that we usually have on the captaincy video. But I guess with the COVID chaos in mind, all of that will be in the context of, of, of that. So what I'm going to put up is the fixtures-ish <laughs> for game week 18. And I'll quickly run through what we know so far and then i'll ask seb for his tips on dealing with uh covid so covid close, close F- the laptop and come back and as an fbl manager um so yeah these are the fixtures um okay manchester united versus brighton that is off that doesn't exist anymore aston villa burnley is okay as far as we know southampton brentford i would say is a doubt uh the brentford manager came out and said 13 members of staff and players are out um 
Tony should be back, but he might be on his own. <laughs> so they might not better field anyone. Uh, Southampton are fine, we think. Watford Palace has to be a doubt because uh, of Watford's COVID situation. West Ham Norwich has to be a doubt because of Norwich's um, COVID situation. Leeds Arsenal, OK, as far as we know. Leeds and Liverpool, um, I don't know whether they're the most vaccinated clubs, but they certainly um, seem to be OK. Uh, Everton Leicester has to be a doubt because of Leicester. Wolves, Chelsea. There's some cases emerging at Chelsea, so that could be a doubt. Newcastle. Yeah, we, we think tonight's match goes ahead, yes. but we wonder if that will develop over time. Okay. Um, we're recording this about 5pm on Wednesday, so a couple of hours until the Chelsea match, yeah. but it does sound like there are a few cases there. Definitely. Newcastle City, we think is OK. Um, and Spurs, Liverpool has to be a doubt because of Spurs, not necessarily because of Liverpool. Um, I realise I just said Wednesday, it's Thursday. It's definitely yeah. Thursday. It is Thursday. I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I know. It's, it's hard to tell <laughs> the days of the week, especially with these midweek matches and working out the game week. It is game week 18 coming up, I hope. Um, so therefore, um, for me, that leaves me with potentially four players. OK, <laughs> so I will have to take a hit. I won't have a goalkeeper, definitely, um, uh, because I've got the Brentford goalkeeper at the moment. So um, that's what I'm doing, really. Uh, we don't know whether things are going to happen. In the meantime, I'm going to fix my squad. Fix weak links. What is my weak, weakest links? Well, it was Armstrong at Southampton. Rotation risk. Uh, Southampton not in great form. I swapped him for Dennis. In theory, better chip. Fernandez is a terrible goalkeeper. De Gea, better. Ramsdale, even better. So I think I'll be looking at that move. Sissoko, do I really want a four Would you point... really get Ramsdale over De Gea at this point? Yeah. I just think really? I think he there was an interesting um post uh, today on Twitter and uh, forgive me whoever it was who posted I can't remember but they were basically saying every season a 4.5 goalkeeper emerges. Now I didn't get him for 4.5. I won't get Ramsdale 4.5 obviously. But it's 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 the nature of it. A cheap goalkeeper will emerge and they will just simply get the saves, the clean sheets, the bonus points. They will just emerge like Nick Pope like back in my day. Schwarzer, <laughs> these does these that, goalkeepers are, th- are great. Does that mean he's going to keep doing it though? Like I totally hear you, right? Yeah. Getting the four point five million goalkeeper, the flavour of the season is definitely a great thing to be able to do. Mm. But I mean, obviously, if Man United are missing him, I I did the hair to Edison because I thought they would miss too. So yeah. if Man United aren't playing, fair enough. Mm. But all else being equal, I would say that their defences have been equally bad, give or take, so far. Mm. De Gea, off the top of my head, has much better shot-stopping numbers yeah, than but, Ramsdale and Man United have the better fixtures. Uh, I uh, would say De Gea. I think he could be. Um, I might end up getting both. I think we might need two very good playing <laughs> goalkeepers as it stands. Um, but yeah, I do. And in an ideal world, I would look at De Gea long-term because there's doubles coming up, great run of fixtures. But I do like Ramsdale. I like him a lot. I think I think they are both good options. And that's what I'm looking at, really. I've got the money to afford two good options yeah. i mean I, I get the attraction of like you know he scored great points yeah. so far I, I understand the wanting in on that yeah yeah definitely i don't i'm, I'm not looking at any other goalkeepers um and edison possibly uh, i know you went for him obviously yeah. city defense is good and but he is at that, that marginally a bit more money and i do not rule out i've got cancelo i do not rule out getting two man city midfielders but I can't see myself getting much more than three Arsenal players. I've got Tommy Asu already, Ramsdale and Asaka, a Smith Rowe. I can't see myself getting more. Same with Manchester United. Um, De Gea, Ronaldo, a midfielder, a defender I can see myself getting as uh, as well. But I can't see myself getting, getting more. But I've already got Cancelo, so... For, for Manchester City, I, I don't want to lock myself out of getting a Foden and a KDB or something like that. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's fair enough. I On the wildcard, I had Foden and Gundogan and then have changed that to... And uh, Cancelo, obviously. Yeah. I've changed that to Foden, Cancelo and Edison. Yeah. The thinking was... I mean, I wanted Jota and obviously I needed to make that work without mm. too many transfers. So I did Gundogan. We thought Gundogan might not play midweek. He then came on and got two sideways pass assists. Mm. Although he did miss a great chance, yeah. so fair yeah. enough. Um, so I was happy to lose him, brought in Jota because him versus Newcastle terrified me basically. And I wa- the original plan was always to get Jota back in a couple of couple of game weeks, so yeah. by this weekend anyway. So, uh, and then the thought was just, well, if I want to get in on that city and I need to replace mm. De Gea, which I thought he would miss two matches, I thought Edison was a good shout. And I was looking at 
if we say Edison will score, say his usual amount of points, give or take, which is like 150 to 160. Now, the only City midfielders who ever score more than that are Amares with like 175 a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, KDB obviously could smash it, but that's a very different conversation because prices. Bernardo, Gundogan, Foden, they'd all need to play most of the season think, to get close to that number of points. So I thought Edison was actually a better way to get involved in those points. It, it is true. But also with a goalkeeper, I'd be looking to get them long term. But with these midfielders, I, I can we, we, we chop and change these guys, obviously. Oh, um, sure. I just wanted to um, thank FPL Prem Tipster, who points out there was FPL Editor that posted the goalkeeper thread. Oh, um, thanks so much uh, to both of you there uh, FPL Prem Tipster for pointing that out and FPL Editor for um, highlighting that. It was very good. And um, yeah, Ramsdale, definitely my top choice at the moment in the absence of Dea for a goalkeeper. So that's my strategy. I'm just looking at my squad and thinking, well, who who is a weak link? And I'll just use that time. I don't know who's going to play. I don't know what matches are going to be postponed. They ha- they're having these tests like the morning, the day of, of the match. So this is why we're getting these late postponements. That could happen to... I mean, I say... Manchester City, Newcastle seems okay. They could all get a bunch of negative tests and then that could be cancelled. We don't know. Um, so the absence of that, I've just got to just fix what I can. So that's my strategy. What, what sort of thing are you looking at, Seb, to cope with this chaos? In terms of specifics, I'm not really sure. I am happy to wait and see, which is probably not a massively helpful answer here, but I think it's truthful and I think it's what many will be doing. There is a very long time, even though it's only about 48 hours, until the next set of matches and so much can happen. So while often, you know, I like trying to look at price changes or anything like that, I will be very much in the camp of last minute transfers and don't worry about tri- uh, prices at the moment. Ideally, I'd kind of like to do nothing. Like if I can get, mm. well, a whole team or enough of a team out, I've just wildcarded, which maybe has been a bit of a waste now, unfortunately. I just took a minus eight. I have a team I'm happy with. I would love to just roll. Yeah. Of course, you know, if I roll and then things get called off and we're given a wildcard, I'll lose a transfer. But those are kind of unknowns and there's some strategy to be played there. But like I say, I'm just going to chill for a moment or two. Um, For me, the thing that interests me most on the strategy side is I think it was uh, Simon, FPL Mm. Analytics, who posted on Twitter earlier, a hypothetical question of if everything in FPL was exactly the same as it is now, but every single week, half the matches were randomly removed from the calendar and you got zero points for those matches but you knew ahead what those matches were going to be just before the deadline. So say, you know, only every week you found out what they were going to be. Does that make FPL as a game more skillful or less skillful? So more reliant on luck. So I I mean, the answer to that, we don't know. I think, you know, intuition, you can take either way. I would argue that it depends on how far ahead you can plan. And because you only know one game, you can advance. Maybe it goes a bit more to luck than skill because there's a greater impact of variance and you maybe can't add that cumulative effect of planning for fixtures. But whichever way you fall on that, it led me to thinking that the the, the obvious advice, the like thing that comes to your mind immediately during this period is we should get 15, you know, a squad of 15 mm. strong players yeah. from as many teams as possible to cover all our bases. And I think that makes sense until you examine why you're trying to do that, which is you're effectively trying to minimize your losses. So it's it's loss aversion. You're going, I don't want to miss any players from any matches. I want to minimise how many things I'll get affected by COVID. But I wonder, and I haven't worked this out, and I'd be fascinated if anyone did, especially if my, you know, if my if my suggestion is wrong, that's also really interesting. But if you actually went in the opposite direction and went, you know what, matches are going to be called off and I can't control which those matches are going to be. What I can control is how good my team is. Mm. So say I tripled up on Liverpool, City, whoever the good players, you know, good value are. And I went hard in the other direction and had like 15 players, only 11 of which are, you know, worth money, three on the bench yeah. who cost very little, you know, get 90 minutes, of course, but only get me two points. And even double down on Liverpool City, because when they play, they will return points. And I wonder if you could maximise your gains as opposed to minimise your losses and come out ahead. Yeah. Now, I don't know the answer, but I think it's interesting to think about and interesting to fight against that instinct to go, I must you know, run away from this, I must minimise my losses, I must get lots of players. Because I wonder if that isn't necessarily the answer. I think I think there's it I think like with all things, um, it's somewhere in the middle, it's a balance. But uh, I yeah, I I do agree with that because you can have seven players and they could be Ollie Watkins, they could be Liverpool players, they could be the city midfielders, um, and you could come out with a huge score and a massive rank gain. Or you can have 11 players and you're fielding some ones and twos and and things like that and some cheaper players. 
So I think I think I think it's a balance. We are dealing with luck in the what I mean. For example, there are lots of people. I was tempted to get Dennis and King for Watford. I mean, two form strikers, but that would have left me with none. Especially if the other one was Ronaldo, that would have left me with no strikers. Um, but that, that's that's just that's the, just the luck of the draw. There's no there's no skill in that. But but at the same time, I do think I think I, I'm slightly wary of um, putting my eggs in too much of a, of, of a basket, like tripling up too much on a team. I don't I don't rule it out at some point this season, but at the moment, I'm a bit I'm a slightly wary of that. And I'm also wary of players I've got that are two pointers, so yeah. your Liveramentos, Sissoko in my case, and I would like to beef that up. Like with your point there that you were making, Seb, um, you know, with a well, so for example, Foden, Silver, Gundogan, these are the sorts of players that are on my my list there because they can get me a double digit return. Um, but Sissoko is not going to get me a double digit return ever, he, you know. Yeah. Especially not with a postponement, but but he's, he's certainly not going to get get that. So that's that's what I'm looking at. Is probably a little bit of what you're saying, and a little bit of looking at my team and thinking, well, I don't necessarily need a full fifteen, but I need a better team to deal yeah. with this. I mean, is as so much as is the case in life, the answer is probably somewhere in the middle, which is very boring. Yeah. But for me. You know, as ever in FBL, we're looking for the best value players and then the highest impact players. Yeah. So someone like, I don't know, Ronaldo isn't necessarily good value, but because diminishing returns yeah. are a thing. And, you know, if you don't, yeah. if you go for value, you end up with about 20 million left and you need captains. Mm. We go for Ronaldo and then we look for value, yeah. say a Foden or someone yeah. like that. So it's probably not that different to usual in terms of strategy, which is a very boring answer. Yeah. The one thing I would say is still get a cheapish bench. I'm still a fan of a cheap bench. Mm. Um, I have like, you know, the cheapest you can get plus king basically mm. but i would say get minutes on your bench you do yeah. just want minutes because if you can get a 4.5 against yeah. two points versus a 4.5 against zero that that's worth we, it we we uh, our community team that we're running on behalf of alex um is um douglas louise he's his 4.5 guy some people have ramsey who got what seven eight so so at least with our you know community team there we got three points off the bench there for me that position is sissoko didn't play um so yeah, I can see there. There's there's definitely that balance there, um, and I think I mean I, I know as a as a journalist, the reality of things that you write about is somewhere boring in the middle. But what <laughs> people like to read about and what journalists like to write about is the extreme. Yeah. And or oh, I definitely have this opinion about this thing. <laughs> so, that's that so far. T- the takeaway from this is Seb says get four premiums. Yeah, <laughs> well that could be it. Um, but um, yeah, I'd love to just a question in the chat. I'd love to address. Yeah, yeah. Irrelevant. Uh, Michael asks if you only have one free transfer, any thoughts on how much of a hit you should take to make things work? Now my answer for this, and I'll come to you in a sec, mm. is treat each transfer, including hits as their own isolated event. Yeah. Now, of course, they are linked and, you know, you want to make sure that if you're taking a hit to get another player, of course, you might be taking it to minus eight or nothing because you're trying to afford a player. But realistically, with matches being called off all over the place, if you decide to do a transfer and then you get some new information, a match being called off, don't fall into the like the sunk cost fallacy, I think, mm-hmm. which is, oh, well, I'm already down for a minus four. Yeah. I, you know, that that's bad. I shouldn't, I shouldn't, you know, make further mistakes. I shouldn't compound that because it's, it's, it's an isolated decision each transfer is worth it yeah. on its own merits or not. They're not linked. Yeah. Of course, on the flip side, you also don't want to go, well, I've taken a minus eight. I might as well take a minus 20. The thing I'm trying to get across is, you know, they're each their own decision. Yeah, I mean, I had that decision with Ronaldo. Do I, do, Ronaldo, great player. Do I, I removed him for Watkins, uh, which worked out this week and it may not work out long term, but it definitely worked, it's worked out so far. And I think it will short term. But um, the, one of the reasons I did that is I looked at that and I thought, okay, Ronaldo, I know we've talking about you know quality and not necessarily quantity, but Ronaldo is a slight exception because he is so expensive. For example, so is Kane or Mane. These these are these are the big guns, and I thought he is so expensive. I really can use that money better. I think at the moment, um, and so I can I can beef up some of those areas. And that's just a specific of this time. Ronaldo is not the man of the moment for me. I would I would count that I guess as the same decision because yeah. there what you're saying is like I need to downgrade to upgrade elsewhere. Yeah. So while it's two transfers, it's one decision. So that's yeah, fine. Exactly. Say then, for example, another match is mm. called off. You shouldn't go, oh no, I've already taken a hit, so mm. I shouldn't take another. It's a brand new set of decisions. Yeah, definitely. And so my next decision, say for example, get making Sissoko a better player. That's an isolate, it's in its own. That's going to 
pay off. Um, yeah. Upgrading the Brentford goalkeeper, who possibly won't play anyway, to Ramsdale, who's the best goalkeeper in the game at the moment. Um, that's gonna that's gonna work out. But anyway, let's move on. So um, I've got some stats here. This is the last four matches, uh, which is we usually have in the captaincy video. So we've, I've just sort of rattled through these, and this will give some idea. This is of use for. Uh, we, I don't want to. This is of use for this weekend. If all the matches get cancelled and we have a break, this is of use. Go back to this episode, and this is of use whenever we return. So this is currently who is the form players here, and see if they can carry on their form through the break or towards this weekend. Um, so this is in terms of expected goal involvement. It's Jota who is top there. Um, and then Salah, uh, Ronaldo, um, Calvert-Lewin. So this is why I've done it. I've sorted my last four matches before people say uh, not everyone's played the same amount of games. I know that. But what this does is it shows um, who is in their last four matches. So remember Calvert-Lewin, he was good. He's going to return from injury at some point soon. Um, he is a great asset. Raheem Sterling, very quietly. I feel, saw, he was in a few people's teams this week. Um, disappointed that he was on the bench. But he has been a great asset for City in recent weeks. Firmino, remember him? He could be back. Well, he could even be back tonight um, for Liverpool. Uh, Jorginho, um, the expected ball is obviously through penalties there. But I don't get all this non-penalty XG business. You can't take away penalties from people like Jorginho. I mean, that's, that's their value. Uh, so the reason we do that, you're completely right. Yeah. The reason we do it is obviously just the predictability. So you can't predict when a penalty is going mm. to occur. What you can do is go, well, so-and-so is getting yeah. into good positions, getting good chances. That is likely to continue or not continue. Mm. So it's kind of the penalty award is kind of a random event. If you took the whole season, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. But if you're looking at, say, the next four matches, yeah. you don't know if Georgino is going to get one penalty, no, no penalties or four penalties. The, the, what I do like about the likes of Jorginho, the penalty taker, for example, Ronaldo at the moment for Manchester United, basically the penalty taker for good teams that get fouled a lot in the box is a good bet anyway. And I remember I remember investing in um, Gerrard when he was sort of waning as a, as a player. You know, what wasn't the great Gerrard. But there was that particular season where he got something like 10, 11 penalties. It's a ridiculous amount of penalties. Um, and James Milner as well. So there is value for these players. I guess I guess the thing with Jorginho is you might want free Chelsea. Mm. But the famous example for me is Milivojevic mm. from Crystal Palace because you didn't want free Palace. So yeah. it was fine to take up a spot. Yeah. And it, I think Zaha, I think it was, yeah. was winning quite a few penalties. Mm. He was also on like corners, mm. set piece, uh, other set pieces. So while he did nothing in open play, Every time there was a set piece, yeah. you were like, "Cool, I'm in here for five million or something." He was great. He was a great. Asset. I remember getting him for a double game week when he did well uh, as well. So Gundogan, who is on penalties, I believe as well. Um, Tielemans, who is on penalties as well, uh, and Neil Mopay, who is the exponent of the 97th minute goal. Sadly, he wasn't there last night for Brighton against Wolves, so they lost. Um, um, there was uh, just just answer one quick question about Calvert Lewin here. Um, FPL Gaza problem with Calvert Lewin is Everton. Perhaps the problem with Everton is no Calvert Lewin, and so uh-huh. him coming Touché. back. <laughs> Touche. Um, so we wait and see. Anyway, he's he is he is a good striker, <laughs> and uh, and he has been. And I'm sure other metrics will prove that. Let's have a look at the whipping boys. We'll also look at this in the captaincy video. Um, this look at the defence's two target. And this is uh, Watford, Leicester, Leeds and Newcastle and uh, Wolves are also nestling in there. Um, although they've only conceded a couple of goals, they've expected to concede a whole bunch more. Um, so looking at that, we're looking at um, which teams they've got here. So I've got in very small writing next to them. These are the teams that are playing them. So if they're all going ahead, which they may well not be. So Watford's next four, Crystal Palace, Wolves, West Ham and Tottenham, which would indicate that Gallagher might get some joy there so those who have him Wolves maybe uh, West Ham do we trust Antonio still um, but it's always Bowen as well and then Tottenham so that could be the time I've got my eye on Son really for around about then um, but uh, Leicester um, I've got Everton City and Liverpool so that highlights um, that City and Liverpool assets could do well and then Norwich um, so if you've got Pookie never know um, Leeds um Arsenal, so Arsenal are good. Uh, they're looking quite good at the moment, so you know could do well against Leeds, um, Liverpool, and then Villa and Burnley. So it just highlights their their attacking options to target there. And Newcastle have got City and Manchester United next, so highlights how good 
an option getting a Manchester City player in, in as well as a Manchester United player. Um, Everton play there, so may, maybe Calvert-Lewin will be back for that. Um, and then Southampton uh, play there. So yeah, hard to tell who's going to play in, a, uh, in attack there. But I don't know, with, looking at this this last four matches uh, for these so-called whipping boys, um, whenever they start really, I mean, I mean, do you, do you hold with that sort of target attackers playing these types of defences? Oh, definitely, yeah. I go for fixtures massive. I've still got Antonio, for example, because mm. I'm a stupid person. I've still um, but but yeah, fixtures are a big thing for me. I think uh, obviously the only thing to keep in mind here is this is just the last four matches. Mm. So, for example, yes. Leeds have just played City. Yeah. Although actually, we only conceded about two xG in that, despite conceding seven. Although two xG is a lot. Uh, and I think Wolves have played City too, which is probably why mm. they're higher than they have been for the rest of their season. So, of course, you want to look at who these people have played. But then that also is informative because, for example, Leicester have Man City coming up and yeah. Newcastle. Is it Newcastle? Have Man- yeah, Newcastle have Man City coming yeah. up. So good time to target. Exactly. Ob- obviously have Man City's yeah. attackers. But, you know, we know they've got some of the worst defences mm. against those types of teams, at least, coming up as well. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, it highlights, once again, Man City. And we are going to talk about Man City in a sec. Um, so, and the final one is sometimes I put up on uh, the scout cast as well as captaincy is the goals imminent. So these are the under the radar picks. Once again, last four matches because they all haven't played the same. So to be fair to them. So Pamyang's at the top, out of favour, to put it mildly. Um, he's, yeah, I mean, that, he's pretty much getting kicked out of Arsenal and that's going to, yeah. Kane, the Unicane. I don't think he's played since we were trumping him up as an asset. Um, but yeah, he's fallen out of favour. Um, but the next ones, these, these are highlighting players that might fall under the radar because they perhaps haven't been scoring lots of goals. They might have been involved in goals, but not scoring lots of goals. So you might not have noticed them so much. But Gundogan um, came in. Jesus, if he can play, he could score. Uh, Mane. Uh, I think we had someone in the chat saying that Mane wasn't on the the last four expected goal involvement um, table, but that was. But in terms of sort of under the radar goal scorers, Mane is is a one there. Werner doing well at Chelsea. Uh, Pogba. I don't think all the all the signs seem to be that Pogba's not going to play. <laughs> um, Rashika at Norwich is there. Um, Grealish. We will perhaps mention him in a sec with Man City options. And Martinelli, I understand that has um, got Martinelli in, so well done getting him in there. He scored. Um, so, um, yeah, there we had, well, I think we had a question here, actually. It was Conrad asked, best six million midfielder or less? Um, well, there we go. Martinelli could be a, a good option there. Is it basically only Martinelli and Mbumo, who everyone now hates? that are kind of viable under six million off the top of my head. I think Martinelli, Martinelli's per 90s are really nice. You just yeah. need to, him to actually get the 90s. Yes. Well, I think with Aubameyang out, you've got Lacazette yeah. and Martinelli is playing in that in an attacking role along with Saka and Odegaard. And it's Smith-Rowe who's coming on later. So um, would it be Smith-Rowe comes on for Odegaard if Odegaard needs a rest? Is Martinelli nailed on now? I mean, I think, you know, he'll come on. We saw with Smith-Rowe, I think these cheap Arsenal midfielders are great you know if they don't start doesn't matter last half an hour could get you a return um but yeah martinelli good good call um man city these are a team i'm very interested in whether they play this weekend or whether they play in four weeks time whatever but i'm very interested in them so um seb yeah do you want to um take us through the man city chat Absolutely. So I think the video is a little bit behind, behind. So what's the first thing you have for me here? And I will order it appropriately. Right. Well, the first thing, I've just got a picture of Phil Foden up. Oh, lovely. <laughs> to, to introduce poster, the poster, chat. Poster boy. And it will help, sure. help me when I when I get around to doing the timestamps tomorrow. Maybe. Okay. So yeah. we um, so obviously, you know, we don't know if teams will be playing matches over the next little while, but hopefully this is still uh, valid whenever mm. they do come back. And we've talked about City a lot recently. So I just wanted to look at a few different things. Right. Um, we've done the Bernardo Gundogan chat to death. I think people know everyone's feelings on that yeah. and we'll see what happens. But I think there's some interesting things to look at about how City are lining up okay. when KDB is back, for example, which mm. is probably the big thing here. Okay. So if you have that first, that's what I'd love so, to So which at. one is, I've got um, some heat maps of Man City against Wolves or Man City against Leeds. Is so it that- if we bring up Man City versus Wolves, this is before KDB, so he didn't start this match. Okay, so yeah, what have we got here? Sure, I will just grab it up for myself and I can talk through it. So um, we had Cancelo playing right back in this match, which is obviously unusual for him this season. He's been mostly left back. In the past, he shared those two roles uh, with Carl Walker out uh, ill, I believe. So Zinjinko played left back. Mm. And you can see there, firstly, for the fullbacks, what they're doing. Obviously, they come high, they come inside. 
Cancelo had the most touches in that match and he had more than Gundogan and Bernardo Silva combined, which is mm. crazy. But you can see how he's really holding almost that inside playmaker role. It's almost like he's playing right centre mid. Zinchenko doing a bit of the similar mm. on the other side, but it also depends where other people so are playing. The, those those right listening to the podcast version, the um, Cancelo's heat map, he is oh, red hot and, and near the penalty box. That's what you need to know. Very hot, very near the penalty box. <laughs> yeah, th- thank, thank you, Joe. Sorry, I forgot. Yeah, please do uh, jump in and illustrate any of that orderly for us orderly that's not a word um and yeah so as in doing a similar thing on the other side but not quite to the same degree Uh, and obviously we know as well with pep he wants his left footer over there so if Foden's out there or zinchenko interestingly going forward it's interesting to watch if zinchenko almost counts as the left footer on the outside Mm -hmm. because depending on who's ahead of him he does come inside himself so we might also want a foden out there we know against Leeds, Foden played nine. Against Wolves, he played on the left with Grealish at nine. So maybe he wants two out there if it's Zinchenko. But the ones to look at again here are Gundogan and Bernardo Silva. So we know they played not the entire match each. Um, Gundogan on that left-hand side, having touches quite deep. He did have that header cleared off the line, but did very little. Otherwise, he was very deep okay. and he was subbed off with a bit of an injury. We know yeah. Bernardo... Actually, it looks quite advanced there, almost a bit of a winger in some ways. But off the ball, which watches what this doesn't show, because these are touch maps, he was almost playing as a nine alongside the other nine out of possession, you know, looking for space. Whether that was to receive the ball himself or to create mm-hmm. space for others, we don't know, but it's an encouraging sign. But the interesting thing is to see how that then develops when KDB is back okay. against Leeds. So, um, so before I do that, just um, to, to, to reiterate, but Bernardo Silva is really near he's not as hot as as Cancelo down that wing but he is a very 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 close to goal um whereas Gundogan is not Gundogan's sort of in an advanced over the halfway line sort of role and and you can tell he's, he's presumably passing a lot from there um so that's that's the position there so let's move on to some heat maps against Leeds and see how Kevin De Bruyne affected things so the one caveat here of course is you know Leeds were poor so City were allowed to do what they wanted. Zinchenko, firstly, who has a similar shape to what he had in the previous match on the left-hand side, relatively high, but considerably fewer touches. It's a lot less hot, and it's a little bit wider as well. There's not as much in the middle, which I'll come back to in a second. John Stones played right back, although there was a bit of tucking in and whatnot there, but he basically is invisible compared to Cancelo. Mm. Similar areas of the pitch, but just so many fewer touches. When Cancelo isn't playing, they effectively lose a playmaker from that line of phase of play. Mm. Rodri actually ended up doing an awful lot of that, who isn't included in these images. He got very far forward, almost got a goal himself, but I think that might have been a bit of the old why Scott McTominay is good against Leeds as well, because we just don't deal with people running well from deep. Uh, the interesting ones then again here are Bernardo Silva, Gundogan and De Bruyne. So again, Bernardo Silva and Gundogan didn't play the whole match. They shared some minutes. Mm. But this time, Bernardo started at left centre mid to accommodate Kevin De Bruyne at right centre mid, which is the opposite of where he's been playing before. And on the previous heat map, we saw when he was right centre mid, he was very high, very attacking, getting into good positions, even off the ball. This time, when he was at left centre mid, uh, and the touch map here is, what would you say, Joe, a lot lighter and a lot deeper? Like worse than Gundogan's from the one before? What, silver? Yes, yes. He's basically sort of Gundogan light on the left and light. And not near the penalty box. A little bit, but not not as much as before, yeah. And much lighter there. He's not really involved. Absolutely. And then when Gundogan comes on, um, similar sort of amount of touches. Again, only half a match. But a little more central, a little mm. further forward. Not really like either of the previous matches. But he came on at left centre mid. And then there was a bit of juggling around as well. But the one to really call out is KDB. Now, he was notionally playing right centre mid. But this looks like the heat map of a number 10, wouldn't yeah. you say? Yeah, definitely. So Gundogan is, is lighter, but getting nearer and more central into that penalty box. Um, De Bruyne, though, that's the interesting one. He's looking red hot. <laughs> so I would say that's a better heat map than we saw from even Bernardo mm. from that same right sentiment position. Yeah. Now, of course, it's Leeds. We were poor, so De Bruyne was allowed to do what he wanted a bit more. But again, off the ball, and when Leeds took goal kicks, it was notable to see De Bruyne literally standing up front with Foden. Like it was a 4-4-2 almost. Okay. Bernardo wasn't even doing that in the previous match, although he was up front off the ball. De Bruyne was either allowed by Leeds to do whatever he wanted or tactically, and I think this is the interesting takeaway, when City have all of their options available, and of course Cancelo needs to come back into this too, but if he's plays left back, I think this really builds into this. Mm. The right centre mid is the one that is allowed to attack, do what they want, get really far forward, really impose himself on that side of the pitch. Because on the other side, you have Cancelo, 
and you have a Gundogan or a Bernardo Silva who have to drop a little deeper. And in terms of the way City play outside of FPL, it's maybe more of the David Silva, you know, control the ball, rotate it. A brilliant thing that they definitely need in their side. But for FPL, it's the right centre mid that really looks dangerous. Okay. If Kevin De Bruyne has that position locked down, and I think he does, that really hurts Gundogan and Bernardo Silva. And it probably hurts Bernardo Silva more than Gundogan based on this extremely mm. limited yeah. sample. Of course, you know, De Bruyne might only play every other match. In which case, you want Bernardo to be taking that right centre mid role. That is where he is best. Mm -hmm. So far, he's played you know, all the minutes available. And so he could go right uh, right wing, sorry, he could play right centre mid. He could even play false nine. So maybe you'll get some minutes out of him. But the last thing just to on this idea of where people will play is, I think it was Libero who mm. mentioned this me, uh, to me uh, on Twitter about this. So this isn't something I found. But Pep really does try and manage the minutes of his players. And over previous seasons, very, very roughly, in all competitions, the midfielders we're talking about here will get about three and a half thousand minutes. And I think we've seen in the past with Gundogan, when he started approaching that number, he was then rested for a bit. Now, Pep does pick on merit as well. And, you know, Bernardo was really there on merit. So, of course, he might exceed the expected amount. But so far, he has like twice the amount of minutes as some of his competitors in Foden, De Bruyne, obviously, because of injury. So there is every chance going forward, he will have them withdrawn a little bit from him just that he remains fresh into the end of the season maybe well, something to keep an eye on well i mean there's two two things i look at um uh, you know looking at the these heat maps here the, obviously no cancelo because he, he was suspended so how do you think cancelo would so for example say de bruyne is available and plays and cancelo plays as well and silver how would cancelo impact on say de bruyne or or silver so Obviously, a bit situational dependent, assuming fitness. Mm. We would assume Cancelo was left back mostly this season with Kyle Walker right back. Kyle Walker mm. is going to do more of a John Stones thing here. Right. He does get more of the ball. He gets okay. a bit further forward. But he's not really there to attack. It's Cancelo that will bring the ball forward. Get He got 140 touches against Wolves, okay. whereas Gundogan got about yeah. 70 and Bernardo Silva 40. It was crazy. He will play as that playmaker in that like left centre mid okay. almost role himself. Right. Assuming there's a left footer like Foden to go wide, okay. and that's a separate conversation. And then De Bruyne will take that right centre mid playmaker right. getting forward, of course. So I think when everyone is fit, Cancelo on the left, and we know we love him from FPL, mm. KDB on the right, and that, that leaves one spot for another person in centre mid. And I I think Gundogan's better at that role, but okay. Bernardo has obviously been more impactful for FPL. Okay. So I'm not going to try and call it. But I think it's something to keep an eye on. And I mean, ultimately for me, I'm going to say, I think this means Foden is the pick. Because the one player we haven't mentioned here, because he is not affected by what we're talking about, is Foden. Right. Foden will play nine or he will play left wing. Okay. And KDB doesn't touch him. It doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. So Foden is um, um, untouchable in terms of personnel, you would say. But he could be... Um, What's the opposite of untouchable? I was going to say touchable, but um, he is he um, Foden could be rotated based on just his own personal fitness and minutes. So um, other people have you know Luke um, yeah. from Fantasy Football Scout obviously done some great work on this. We know Pep does pick on merit, maybe more than we think. Of course he rotates, mm. but if you play well, you often keep your spot. Foden's been brilliant when he's been fit this season, and I actually think he's been better at left wing in terms okay. of real life football than uh, he has been up front. From FPL, of course, we'd rather he was up front. But he has those two positions, I'd say, his first choice in okay. either. So whether they need a left footer or not, and Grealish maybe will play the other mm. role or maybe Sterling, I don't think his minutes are affected by the other players, other than him maybe needing so, a rest, but everyone will get their rest at some point. So someone like me, who doesn't have a Man City midfielder, or perhaps I already have one and looking to get another one, the best Man City midfielder to get at the moment um, would be... dot dot dot. Well, so I guess this is kind of why I've gone Edison, Cancelo and Foden. So Foden is the best one for me. Yeah. Cancelo everyone has and probably yeah. should have. And then it's what you do with the third spot. So I went Edison. Hmm. I did have Gundogan originally because his stats are better. And I thought, as we've seen here, hmm. if the left centre mid slot is the one available, he is better there than Bernardo. But Bernardo has false nine available to him. He has right wing available hmm. to him. And he's been brilliant this season. Yeah, you know, the old, yeah, it doesn't matter what the stats say. He scored the points. He's got those in the bank. And his stats have actually looked better yeah. in the last and few. You know, he might really become a real option stats-wise as well. Yeah. It's just the so basics. I don't mind. I don't mind between those two, which is kind of why I yeah. went for the extra defender. Yeah, I mean, he's getting yeah, I mean, he's getting the minutes in an attacking side, so you know, higher chance of being involved at some point. And, and just on the minutes, the thing to keep in mind is you know, if Pep does have this amount of minutes he allocates mm. players, 
Bernardo is massively overrunning those minutes right, at okay. the moment, but maybe that's because he's so important. So I think okay. I'll wait and see on that. Okay. Um, now I have two other uh, Man City slides. Um, I've got just one last two matches, just positions. Do you want me to put that one up? It's got, oh got, yeah, please. I think it's just a nice conclusion to what we've It's just got about. lots of numbers on here. So uh, these, <laughs> these, are, these are actually players and this is their numbers. So yeah, what, what, is, what is this um, showing us? Uh, sure. Just let me grab it up one second, my friend. So we have... Oh, yeah, I've lost it. Uh, so what we have here is the average positions from the Scouts members area. Uh, on the left, I believe, we have Leeds and on the right, Wolves. And the position, we'll go with Wolves first, uh, for people listening, is probably more what you would expect. It looks a bit like that Man City formation. You've got the front three, you've mm. got the midfield, you've got the uh, the wing backs pushing really high up, two centre-backs dropping and Rodri number 16 kind of holding. That's probably what we'd expect to see from City more often than not. And it highlights, you know, how on the right, Sterling there is staying wider, whereas on the left, people tuck in. Uh, and we know that with, you know, your um, your Grealish or Foden, whoever's mm. playing there, they're going to maybe come inside a bit. Foden, we know for the width, but Grealish will pretty much stay in that same slot. The interesting thing on the other side with the Leeds, just to touch on Grealish, is despite him playing number nine, notionally in one match, and left wing in the other, he actually basically played in the exact same position mm. on the pitch. So it kind of doesn't matter, which shows how, you know, he's going to play that role and how he's not suited to creating width. The real interesting thing to call out, though, is against Leeds, which is on the left-hand side, it's almost a 4-1-5. Yeah, there is just Mares, <laughs> De Bruyne, Foden, uh, I think that was Bernardo for, and Grealish. For those listening to the a, podcast, we're looking at a picture of, of Leeds players, on the, and there's there's five up front. There's literally, it's an Aussie Ardilis style five-man attack going on there, there is no there is no actual central striker but there are just five attacking just mids. five forwards and um that would indicate against a team we've been talking about the, the so-called whipping boys the likes of leeds newcastle leicester arguably um they're all they're all just getting in on the act at the top there is there is room within this man city formation for, for a five-man attack Absolutely. And I think what it does highlight nicely as well as, again, the other the other images we had a minute ago in the conversation highlights this more specifically, but just as general team shape. Now, Leeds probably allowed that front five. You know, that, that is circumstantial rather than a tactic, I think. And you can see that by how much further Rodri is further forward as well. Like, he didn't need to sit back. He could come and attack too. But the interesting things to note are your Gundogan, are your Bernardo Silva in there, and how, as we saw in the other one, Gundogan probably played this role a lot more effectively than Bernardo mm. and was a little further forward. So if this is the shape we're expecting City to hold going forwards, I think, again, it highlights Foden is the one. If you can call the right winger, that might be interesting. Sterling, Jesus, okay. Mahrez. Uh, Grealish actually has decent numbers, but he plays the same role no matter what. And he hasn't really returned the points so far. And then between Gundogan and Bernardo, I'll just repeat myself. We need to see what's going to happen. Yeah. I would back Gundogan based on how it's evolving. But Bernardo is going to get in this team and he is performing brilliantly. Yeah, I mean, I think if I, if I had a wild card now... I would be looking at Cancelo, Foden and Gundogan and just see what where I go with it. That might change over time as more information comes in. But it would be those three because I think I'll get the minutes and I think I'll get attacking returns out of them. Um, but it, it is tough to call. I've got, I've got another slide here. Um, this is um, the 21-22 season so far. And this is expected goal involvement. So and this, this is, you know, who's... Who's expected to be involved in most goals? So yeah, who who is top of this one? Uh, if it's up on your screen yet? Oh, you you take us away, Joe, and I will I will grab it. In a oh, okay, so Gundogan is top. Uh, cost seven point three. He's expected to have been involved in um, well over seven goals. Then you're looking at Sterling. Um, again, nearly seven goals. Then Silver, Grealish, Foden, Jesus, Mares, and Cancelo. All of them expected to be involved in more than. Uh, five goals or more um so they're all very involved and it highlights what we just shown shown there with they're all basically everyone is getting uh getting in on the act of trying to attack in this city side so you really want to be i mean i've got I, just with i mean i feel i feel naked <laughs> just cancelo i feel like I've, i'm going i'm going into a city game with just wearing a small toga and I want to be wearing a massive Parker <laughs> from the house of Foden. <laughs> um, but yeah, I want some of these players here. It shows how they're involved they'd be there. And De Bruyne's, uh, but low down, but that's based on largely on minutes there. So that could be, could be we could be looking at 
De Bruyne moving up a bit. Yeah, the interesting one to call out here is minutes because Mm. Bernardo is decent here, but he has had superior minutes. In terms of per 90, Bernardo is one of the worst players on this list. But if if you think he's going to keep getting the minutes, then this list is more important. Exactly. Fair enough. Um, The other interesting one to call out with this list is when we compare two previous seasons, we spoke about this before, Gundogan is basically performing better than he's ever performed, despite being poor in the the last match but one. So that idea of, you know, is Bernardo doing a Gundogan, I would argue is Gundogan doing a Gundogan and then even Mm. more so. Yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah, lots lots to chew over. People like me without City midfield coverage and uh, willing to take hits. We've got lots of options here. But yeah, Foden is my top choice um, at the moment. Gundogan is sort of second. I think I think everyone ha- everyone should have Foden and Cancelo, and then you add a third one to yeah. it. The reason I chose Edison is I think I explained before just about some team structure, yeah. and I want a goalkeeper just for the rest of the season now. Yeah. But why I think he's also not terrible in his own right is at a similar price, or a bit cheaper, obviously, than some of these midfielders. But relative value of goalkeepers, he's kind of more expensive than these midfielders. Is I reckon he could deliver 160 points this year. Yeah. If you take minutes into account. Almost none of these players ever deliver 160. So De Bruyne, of course, can smash that. And if any of these play, you know, 3,800 or so minutes, whatever it is in a season, they'd probably smash it too. But they never do. And if you look at their previous returns, it's only Mahrez who's getting the 170s. You know, a great season from Gundogan was still 150 or something like that. So if Edison's playing every week, I'll take my 160 from him. Yeah, and I think I mean I, around about this time last year, I got Edison in as my goalkeeper, and he was great, and I kept him for months, weeks, weeks. And no, I'm, I'm a year behind the curve. <laughs> no, no, he was really good, and um, you know it was a different setup. We were in a different world then, um, but yeah, I think you cannot go wrong getting Edison in. So um, definitely, um, just um, we've got some community questions, but I think I think we pretty much answered them. So I'll just read them out just to uh, recognise that they they took some time to ask us some questions. Andy Penman, uh, what is the right approach? to Man City mids avoid gamble on one stick hop around well I would just say try not to hop around because the one you get out for the one you get in is you're just gonna you're just forever gonna miss points I would just the unless they're injured just get 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 one get two and just stick with them because they're gonna get your points at some point we saw a brilliant example of that this week with Bernardo and Gundogan they they swapped they swapped halves and they swapped points yeah um, Summit asks double up on Bernardo Foden or just one well as we were saying Foden Gundogan maybe um, and Lamella is Jack Grealish an option so um, I, th- I think in comparison to the others perhaps not uh, but having said that he is an attacking role for a, one of the for arguably th- the most th- attacking side I think he's probably just fourth on the list. And like, yeah. it's hard to recommend him because he hasn't got the points so far, yeah. which is a very silly bias to have because yeah. the numbers look okay. But hey, look, you know, we do know he needs to convert and we want that reassurance from him earning points so far. Yeah. So, um, I think the the, inter- the real interesting thing for me is it's that right centre mid role that is pivotal. Yeah. You know, in the last couple of matches, we've seen two different players play that role basically as a second nine half the time. If that continues, that aside from Foden, that is the midfielder you want. If it's De Bruyne, unfortunately, he's probably a bit too expensive. If it's Bernardo Silva, and this is where, in the despite his numbers for the whole season being very poor, in the last four or five, I think, his numbers have been really good, actually, mm. up there with Gundogan's. If he's playing that role long-term, say De Bruyne gets injured again, I do think he is an option. Okay. So I, I'm not ruling Bernardo no. out. It's that position on the pitch that's important yeah. to me, not necessarily the player who holds it. It's like a, a premium, um, sexier version of targeting a right winger who plays Norwich. <laughs> basically nice. or nice. right back which could be Antonio next week he played right back um, this week uh, oh goodness don't Jay don't. If, that, if that match goes ahead let's have a look at the next four game weeks so we had a little look at some of those that are facing the tough defences earlier and this shows the value of West Ham now they're playing Norwich next Norwich have been absolutely decimated by Covid by injuries um, they are desperate for this match not to take place but um, as yet it is we don't know. I would say it looks in doubt if some of the other ones have been called off. But anyway, they, they allegedly play Norwich next and then they've got Southampton, Watford and Crystal Palace. So whenever, you know, whenever this resumes, um, they've got a great four set of fixtures there. Manchester United, the Brighton game is off. So ignore that. Still great though. They've got, a, this this could go on. This sea of blue could go on forever. They've got Newcastle, Burnley, Wolves next. It goes on for five, six, I think it's another seven or eight more games just to see a blue. Um, Everton's fixtures improve. So if Calvert-Lewin can come back, uh, he 
I mean, I've got Antonio. <laughs> Antonio to Calvert-Lewin. A fit and firing Calvert-Lewin with great fixtures against a, a right-back Antonio who can't do anything. Well, I mean, that's going to be an easy move, I think. Um, Crystal Palace uh, allegedly got Watford next, then Tottenham, Norwich and West Ham. So, you know, definitely worth sticking with Gallagher. Um, definitely worth sticking with, with whatever Palace players that you have. Um, Man City up there, not, uh, Newcastle, Leicester, Brentford and Arsenal. Some some good sides. Arsenal could be tricky, but it's Man City. Um, Southampton, a bit of a mixture of fixtures. And then it goes right the way down. Wolves fixtures continue to drop off a cliff. Just Watford there, um, surrounded by Chelsea, Arsenal, Manchester United. My team, Brighton's fixtures, pretty bad. So, um, yeah, they have also got their own COVID issues. Manchester United are not next. But they have Brentford next. Maybe, maybe Neil Mapay can get on the pitch then. Um, Chelsea and Everton also follow. Um, but yeah, just looking at the next four fixtures. I mean, it's hard to plan, isn't it? But yeah. any any particular thoughts looking at the, the best teams to target going forward? I mean, at fear of repeating my answer from earlier, obviously, I think you tweeted this earlier. Mm. It's kind of a week by week, case yeah, by case. just looking at it every week, yeah. Of course, of course, you do need to try and have some sort of medium term planning because you can't make 11 transfers no. every week. But in that case, all you're doing is giving yourself the best chance. So, you know, if a match is called off, well, we're all screwed anyway. If matches are on, you just want to have the players who have the best fixtures, you know, yeah. obviously like normal FPL. So you just position yourself to be in the best possible state for them, the uncontrollables to do mm. what they do. Yeah. And I think actually an interesting way to sort of extend this is even just looking at these next four whatever gets cancelled is eventually going to be played. So there's going to be double game weeks or, mm. you know, game weeks cram crammed together with pluses put after them, whatever it is. So we've all lost some Man United players, which I think makes sense because mm. they've got two blanks now, I believe. And, you know, who knows if they'll have more. But at some point, you might want triple Man United because they're going to have two decent doubles. And that goes for Spurs yeah. and I forget who else. Is it going to be Leicester, maybe? Was it Br so, Brentford and Brighton are the two? So Manchester yeah. United against them <laughs> coming up. Dare I, dare I say... That obviously depends. I'm kind of assuming that we end up with, you know, a, a two week break or even longer now. So I don't know if that's going to happen, mm. but I'm just maybe yeah. keeping that idea in my head. I wonder if something sensible here is if that's confirmed or a strong possibility. Remember when it happened well, two seasons ago now, wasn't it? Mm. Um, wild cards and everything aside, before FPL decided they were giving everyone a wild card, the game weeks kept ticking over and you yeah. could make transfers. Yeah. I made transfers to both gain value in my team. And also, we didn't know we were getting a wild card. No. So to try and just get a better team, you know, a very yeah. slow wild card. We're probably not going to have the same scenario this time because, you know, FPL mm -hmm. will announce what they're going to do sooner, you would imagine, because they have that precedence in place. And there's probably fewer weeks between the season stopping and starting again. But you might have an opportunity to gain mm -hmm. a little bit of value yep. or effectively make three transfers in one game week because yep. it's actually three game weeks, something like that. I, th I think it looked, when it, it was last time, what happened was it, it for, those, for those that can't remember that far back or weren't playing... Um, they, they, as Seb was saying, they, 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 they stopped, but you could still make transfers each week. So the, the sort of um, technical side of the game was carrying on. So in, in, in essence, the sort of matches were being played out in their absence. Um, so what, what, what many engaged managers were doing were they knew when what the fixtures were. They just didn't know when they were, and so they could look at like we're looking at here. It says game week 18, game week 19, but it might not be. It might be game weeks 23, 24. But these fixtures should still be in place. It will just start again here. So you ought to be perhaps looking at thinking, well, if it, if, if everything is cancelled for a week, two weeks, three weeks, um, we can look at these and think, well, when it resumes, I hope I've got lots of West Ham, Manchester United, Everton players. We might know some double game weeks as well and, and look at the teams that have been postponed and think, oh, that's that's an opportunity. I mean, David De Gea is, is a is a goalkeeper I want for a Manchester United double. Yeah, I, I would uh, just because in the chat as well, um, Charlie says, "Shall I play my free hit?" I don't know about you, Joe, but I would say don't play your free no. hit. It's really tempting. No. But what you'll be doing is obviously trying to cram in any players that play, and then two hours before a match, it could be called off yeah. anyway. Yeah. What you want the free hit for is when we end up with that first yeah. week back. Yeah. Okay, everyone might get a wild card, so the second week back. When there's, you know, a full schedule of doubles or something yeah. like that, I think you can get a better game later yeah. on in the season Definitely. with the ships now. Exactly. Like, I mean, exactly. I just use my wild card and I feel yeah. like I wasted, uh, not in my control, but I wasted it a bit if we all get a wild card and yeah. start again, you know, in game week 19 or whatever. Like, 
So what you do now, I think, is you hold on to your chips, you hold on to your purchasing power and use it when it's going to be most effective. That's, that's, absolutely, that's a great point, because imagine that we get back, we get back to double game weeks of some of these top sides, the likes of De Gea, Ronaldo, Son. You haven't got them in your sides. How are you going to get them all in? Well, that free hit, you can really maximise that free hit. That can be a really good. So often we use free hit in a blank game week and. That's in our in our psyche, but using them in a double game week, just a one off double game week like that, which which is sort of isolated in amongst perhaps some other good fixtures for other teams, fantastic. So I, I would hold back, and and as Seb said, these these tests are coming back for these clubs hours before. We saw the the Watford Burnley game was cancelled what two hours before kickoff, and yeah. it's four hours from London, so um, so there were there were people in the Midlands somewhere in a car and a coach. <laughs> Watford fans go just groaning, <laughs> oh, awful, awful. But yeah, just, I would I would hold it because you don't know what's going to happen. You could have a brilliant eleven and it could be rubbish. Um, let's have a look at Alex's team. This is the community team we're running on behalf of a, um, a top one hundred manager who's done ever so well over the years and he's taken a break for a season. So we're taking over his side. Um, so we're doing okay this this week. Um, uh, we have we re- we removed Livramento, uh, who got no points, to target. I felt I felt like an Aston Villa defender was a was a was a player that not many other people would have, but could be a nice source of points. And I went for target. Oh, yeah. Their points. defense has improved as well, hasn't it? I think. Yeah, yeah and their defense has improved. They've improved. Um, target and cash. I I basically flipped a coin. I think that the fullbacks under Steven Gerrard's system are, are good. I think you're going to get some attacking returns there. So target six points uh, under five million, um, and a good upgrade on Livramento. Um, Green Arrow so far twenty six points, and it looks like we may better field a full eleven, and we even got a goal from Zaha. So looking yeah. looking good. And you know, I, I I looked at players like Pookie and Zaha before. I thought oh, I might remove them, but now I think well, if they are actually going to play you know these are gold dust these are 90 80 90 minute guys who are integral to their team so um yeah it's, it's difficult to know what to do with this because of um covid uh ronaldo's not playing um so, so do you think there was a question in the chat uh, on this as well i'm sorry sorry i missed the name but because we still have ronaldo here yeah at this point do you lose him so now let's do the opposite of what we just did a second yeah. ago and assume everything is fine as of next weekend yeah. well ronaldo is only missing one now would at this point you maybe hold him if you know if everything's going to get called off it's going to get called off and you can then solve that problem but let's say everything goes ahead i wonder if you've missed the chance to have you know two game weeks without him get watkins's points or spread the funds and now maybe you should hold what I, do you think I, I think in the case of this particular team i would hold ronaldo because who was all who are the alternatives i think watkins yeah. but i think arguably last week may have been the time to really maximize that ronaldo's yep. a player we're probably going to want back um, those that have moved for a player like Watkins are already 12 points up on the deal we could be more this weekend well we should be um, and and so on so I, I'd be tempted to leave it especially because we've got Rafinha who plays could get a penalty Douglas Louise could get you three points could get could get you an attacking return and Mitchell um, but so we don't know what, what teams are going to play um, but Ronaldo I don't think is the issue here I think if we find out for example your particular game is off we could move or we can move Mitchell for example to another defender I mean I think the basics is there for this one I think this is quite a flexible team I think sure. do we have one free transfer just one free transfer okay um, and not much in the bank um, um, but but enough to enough to, to upgrade or uh, or Mitchell if the Palace game is off um, or indeed Pookie we can move yeah I guess looking back at the fixtures when you had those up, maybe West Ham is the miss. Mm. But then are they running out of steam or yeah. are they going to gain steam with fixtures? We're not sure. I wouldn't necessarily go for Antonio right now, but no. I guess a Bowen. I mean, Zaha's got good enough fixtures, yeah. I think. It's only, only a shame it's not Gallagher, but we'll, we'll take yeah. the second best. I guess when, the reason I asked for two free transfers mm. is like, oh, can we do something fancy like Ronaldo down and bring in KDB? Mm. Just something, you know, a little bit different yeah. and tasty. But otherwise, I guess... A, we could well, do it for a hit. Yeah. I, don't think I mean, if, we, if we're using a hit, we probably need to wait to know for fixtures. So yeah. I, I'm trying to find things to do, to be honest. Other yeah. than thinking about West Ham, I'm probably with you and, you know, yeah. wait and see. Yeah. Um, Emu show in the in the chat asks um, what made me uh, go for target instead of cash. Well, they both had um, 
quite similar good um, stats, but um, targets were marginally better. Um, and um, so I just went, I, I just went for him. <laughs> so it was, I think nothing but back. I think both are great options if you've gone for cash. Is he cheaper? I swear he might be slightly cheaper. And he's slightly cheaper. <laughs> oh, well, so yeah, so, so I also went for that. And I, I wanted to give myself a tiny bit of money just in case we wanted to make a move. So I think we're okay here. So we'll have a look at our own teams, what we're going to be doing. Um, so this is me for uh, game week 18. Um, I'm potentially going to go into this with four players. Um, so... Um, Let's have a look here. I'll just move you up the screen a tiny bit. Um, yeah, um, so I've got Fernandez, who I think is out. Um, James, Alexander-Arnold, Cancelo in a 3-4-3 with Salah, Jota, Bowen, Gallagher, Watkins, Dennis, Antonio. And then on my bench, I've got Tommy Asu. I'm quite happy to play, actually. Um, Livermento, I'm not so happy. And Sissoko, if he plays, is two points. So I'm, I have no goalkeeper um, or not a good goalkeeper. And I don't have a City mid. So I'm tempted to use a hit, I think, at the moment. I don't usually like to make hits. But if, you, if you're going into the game, if I'm going into a game with like eight players, I might as well take a hit to address long-term problems. If I didn't, if I already had Ramsdale and I already had Foden and I had some, you know, I had the rest of this set up here, I'd be tempted not to make a change because what are you going to change into? I mean, so, um, yeah, I think that's what I'll probably do. Sissoka to Foden. Fernandez to Ramsdale, just play it, play it long term. Don't know who I'd yeah. bench though. Antonio out of spite, probably. Are you happy with Ramsdale and Tomiyasu from? So yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm completely yeah. fine with doubling up on defenses like that. And one of the reasons is because I have highlighted upon my ages a while ago that I didn't have an Arsenal defender, and so I was missing out on those clean sheet points. And also, you know, Ramsdale was getting further points as well. Um, having Tomiyasu was great for that. But then a week like this, where I've got James, Alexander-Arnold, Cancelo, Tommy Asso might miss out. And so I might indeed miss out from any potential Arsenal-Ramsdale um, points. So I don't mind that at all. And I don't mind doubling up because Arsenal's defence is good, especially at home. So they've got a couple of away games. Tommy Asso on the bench for them. At the home games, hey presto, I'm going to roll double Arsenal um, defence, I think. Uh, but yeah, up in the air, but... That's the basic plan. Let's have a look at your team then. So for the benefit of those this is the podcast, you want to describe who you've got and your captain in Cancelo, I can immediately say. Yeah, so I've got Edison in goal with Trent, Cancelo and James at the back and I have the captaincy on Cancelo. Mm. Uh, Salah, vice-captain, Jota, Foden, Bowen in the midfield, Antonio, Watkins, King, front line. I have Dallow on the bench, so I have no first sub, but I have Gilmore and Williams, who are my 90-minute men, hopefully. Uh, and a non-playing goalkeeper, but that was a decision I'm very happy with. Yeah. Um, and yeah, as with you, I suspect I will lose further players through postponements, mm. but I've kind of not looked yet. I'm I'm going for blissful ignorance until until the uh, until the app tells me itself. Yeah. The um, the Tottenham Liverpool game you would imagine might be in doubt because of Tottenham's COVID issues, but also is Salah the best captaincy option? And sweet, he's my captain this week. I'm just I'm not going to mess around <laughs> with it. Um, but I do think you are right. Cancelo is possibly got the higher ceiling for this one. Yeah, don't, don't get me wrong. There's no guarantee it stays there. But just when I think it was on the wild card a couple of weeks ago yeah. when we spoke about, you know, which week would you not captain uh, Salah and would you yeah. want the alternative, i.e. Ronaldo? This was one of the, only the very, very few weeks that jumped out to me. Now, obviously, Ronaldo isn't an option for me now anymore. I don't have him and he doesn't have a match. But looking at it, Newcastle... They've improved a little bit attacking under Howe, but not enough mm. really to probably overcome the best defence in the league, which is City. And then City themselves going forward are very, very good. And Cancelo has every chance of being involved in that. If you look at where Newcastle, you mentioned this earlier, right? If you look at where Newcastle are weak, if Cancelo plays in that sort of playmaking left-back role, yeah. it's exactly where he could do damage. Like I say, I may well um, lose the cojones for this and go for, go for Salah. But I think if there's an opportunity there to take, I think this is one. And if you had like, a Foden as well, and you wanted to captain him, I think that's valid. The reason yeah. I've got Cancelo is I fancy him to get attacking returns and defensive returns in this fixture. Yeah, definitely. Looking, I'd say looking strong, but you could end up with two players. <laughs> so we oh, don't, yeah, we don't exactly. Know. I'm I'm happy just to remain ignorant of that for yeah, now and, you know, solve definitely. it as it comes up. So, oh, um, the one thing to I keep mean, in mind, sorry, just while you mention that, is players on yellow cards. Mm. So we do have, um, I don't have the full list in front of me, but significant players are 
Matty Cash, Reese James, Rafina. Oh, that's another reason I didn't get Matty Cash in. I got Target. Sorry. Ah, nice. That was, that was another reason, yeah. Yeah, so what, one to keep an eye on just when you're making your transfers. Realistically, it might not matter as much mm. as COVID now. But someone on four yellow cards, I believe it's before game week 19. If they get another yellow, they will sit out with a mm. suspension, which is what Cancelo has just done. Yeah. And someone like Reese James, he's on four. He is known for getting a few yellows especially in the fixtures that are a bit tougher when he's defending. So one to keep an eye on. Yeah, definitely. Um, so thanks so much for those that are joining us. Thanks uh, for listening, wherever you are listening to this uh, or watching back again. I um, hope we've given you some food for thought there. We are, as best we can, trying to prepare us, uh, ourselves and you for game week 18. It may not happen and it may happen in limited form, but um, hopefully whenever it returns, we're going for every eventuality, a break, postponements no postponements so we're um you know hopefully we've got you prepared down the line somewhere joe one last question for you from nuclear atoms in the chat who says he really wants to know what's more beneficial one free transfer on a high ceiling mid and have no goalkeeper to use or use it on a goalkeeper oh um i would say uh if it's just one free transfer um i i, I would just play stick goalie just go with 10 outfield players because of just the ceiling um I'm in a similar position. I've only got one free transfer and those are the two issues. I'm just going to take a hit and go for both, um, I think. Um, so if you can take it, I think it's worth a hit there. Um, and don't think of the hit for the goalkeeper. Think of the hit for the, the midfielder who could get you 12 points or whatever. So, um, But yeah, um, I, w- I would definitely prioritise getting the high ceiling player. Um, nice. Yeah. The one, thing, the one thing I would add, and I think you mentioned this earlier, is where possible, not as a rule, but just where possible, don't take out someone who's likely to play just to upgrade. In this kind of scenario, you want to be taking yeah. out non-playing players if you can. Yeah, uh, or players that you don't think, are, like Livermento, for example, I think he's averaging naught points or yeah, one that's, point. That's, that's, that's fair. Yeah. Those types of players. And, they, and you know, they they just, they, they I thought, Saints fans thought he was going to have a break, to be honest. And I was quite surprised to see him in the starting 11. So, um, but yeah, on the whole, if they're going to play, yeah. So, yeah, if you've got Chris Wood, definitely play Chris <laughs> Wood because um, he's the one. Um, but in the meantime, Seb, thanks so much for joining me. Um, it's a goodbye from me and a goodbye from you, oh. I presume, as well. Thank you. Thank you very much. And yes, indeed. Goodbye from me. <laughs>